Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hello, my friends. Welcome another episode of the podcast thank you for being here thank you for coming back and listening um if anybody's been listening through the podcast uh through its infancy in the beginning stages and you'll see throughout the progression of all my guests that i have on here not only do i have really good folks who know how to fish really well and teach us all about how to catch more fish you know dissect different bodies of waters lures techniques you know modern technology all that kind of stuff you'll see that i also have folks on here who are in the fishing industry, but have also taken advantage of what the fishing industry has to offer as a whole, whether that be in career opportunities or what have you. But my guest today is one of those people, and his name is Jake Flan. He's the field producer for the hit TV show, The Next Bite. Now, if you're not familiar with The Next Bite, I say it in the podcast, but you've probably been living underneath a rock and you need to go check this out. The Next Bite is on the Discovery Channel. You can also find it over at Waypoint TV. And you can scroll through all the seasons there and all the episodes that they have to offer at the next bite. And uh, you can get caught up really quick. Now, the cool thing about Jake is he's overcome a lot in his life. And you'll hear when we go through his story about how he came to join the next bite team and some of the obstacles that he had to overcome to pursue and land his dream job. Really, after hearing Jake and what he's gone through, none of us have an excuse anymore and uh, to never give up and to pursue your passion. Because if you stick with it, things will uh, fall into place for you. So here's Jake. Jake, what's going on? Thanks for coming on to do the podcast. Good to be here. Glad to be here. So are you in the studio right now? I know when we talked last week, you said you were going to be in the studio or did you make it home? I am at home now. Yeah. Uh, ran home and ate dinner with the wife. She's headed to work now. So. All right. So this is a good time for you. How was the studio today? Like what were you doing today? Uh, just getting some photos together. Uh, I have a shoot with Corey Springle tomorrow. Uh, for some Berkeley stuff, and uh, so I was getting ready for that, getting the, all the camera gear loaded up and my shot list together and stuff like that. So Right. So before we get too far into stuff, tell the folks kind of like who you are and uh, kind of like what you do and the reason why we got you on the podcast. I am the field producer for the Next Bite TV. I've been with them now for five years. I grew up in northern Minnesota and uh, got hired by them, moved over uh, to Northern Wisconsin and been over here for five years now. So just working in the office and shooting the TV shows. I think I've shot over 60 shows now, something like that. Okay. I mean, if, if anybody doesn't know who the next bite TV show is and you're in the fishing industry or you like to fish, uh, you've been living under a rock and you need to get out there (laughs) and check this thing out, which is probably one of the most successful fishing shows. Maybe, maybe ever, but, um, all right. So before you get into like how you got, you know, doing the, the, the photography and the producing side of the show, my question to you is, did you grow up, grow up fishing? Oh yeah. 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 I think, I think everybody in this industry 
grew up fishing. You, know, okay. you have those stories going out with your dad and your grandpa. And, you know, the same thing for me. You know, I I actually really got into hunting first. Okay. And I liked fishing somewhat. Um, but as I've grown older, fishing has become more and more part of my life. So, um, and, yeah, I mean, grew up in northern Minnesota pulling spinners and not catching anything for walleyes for years. And then we started fishing other other species, and then that's when I really got an excitement for it, you know. What was the species that kind of got you hooked? Crappies, for sure. Like, mid-summer crappies. What not, was... not, not early, not spawning crappies, the mid-summer crappies. Okay, so kind of describe the, the, the bite that you guys were on that kind of got you, you know, jammed to get into fishing. So were you, Our, like, slip bobbering or what? We have a cabin out in the middle of nowhere up, probably an hour from Bemidji, Minnesota. Okay. And a really good family friend also loved crappies. And we started trolling around weed edges or deeper, even like 18 feet. And you cast out a thumper jig with a twister tail on it, about literally a cast length behind the boat, and troll pretty fast. So you keep that, that thumper jig way up in the water column. Okay. And actually trolling for crappies. Really? And just troll. It It works unbelievably well. Who got you turned onto that bite? uh hans just figured it out our good family friend figured it out he literally just loves crappies so just keeping it above the weeds kind of thing where they where they kind of roam in the midsummer and then they were just coming up and just smoking yep. it yeah so we'd load the boat full of the family all five of us and normally friends and we'd just troll around and you have such short short lines out you could have six seven people in the boat and you know you'd go over a spot and you'd catch one and you'd turn around and go back over and you'd catch a couple more and back and forth you know so, you know, so you you developed this love for fishing, you know, in, in the outdoors and stuff like that. How does the the producing or the photography side of things come into your life? Did you grow up just with a camera in your hand or is there something that you picked up and started to play around with or what? Well, it's funny because I've, I've thought about that often. Um, when we were kids, we have a ton of home videos, so which is weird. But we go back and watch them and laugh at them and stuff like that. So it, camera's always been around and then in high school i was taking the video class you know at our high school we only had four hours so instead of having an eight hour eight hours we'd have uh four different classes in a day so first period at the high school i'd always take video class just basically because it was really easy Uh and i never ever thought it'd be a career i just did it because it was fun and easy and then uh, i met a guy named matt keller who was filming hunting stuff uh waterfall dvds and stuff and he kind of sparked a little bit more of an interest in me and doing it professionally and i was actually going to go to college to be a civil engineer and decided after a semester of college that it was not college was not for me and decided to start filming my own stuff so for four years we shot our own hunting stuff and fishing stuff and then uh ended up getting hired by the next bite after about four years of doing that was that just an easy transition for you? Like when you started to do, you know, the photography and the video um, in, in high school, was it a natural kind of progression to, to put it over to your passion, which was, you know, hunting obviously first and then developed into fishing? Or, would you, you know, like were you shooting other stuff as well or was it just like natural like, hey, you know what, I love the fish and, or I love the hunt and, you know, I'm going to start testing out my skills on doing something that I love. I guess to me, I would say it was definitely natural just to go into that. Yeah. I mean, I shot weddings and that kind of stuff and it just, 
it's not very exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, eh, it's fine, but to me, it's not very exciting. So, but to me, the the whole outdoor experience, fishing and hunting, uh-huh. is being a part of the group. Right. So even though you're the one behind the camera, you're still a part of it. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, that that's probably my favorite part. You know, if you're out filming and hunting, if you're out filming and fishing, I'm part of the group. I'm not catching the fish, but I don't need to catch them. I'm still there. Right. As you're as you're getting into you know um, filming and things like that, what what hurt? I mean, people don't realize how difficult it is. I've I've done it a few times while fishing and while hunting, and it's and it's a huge challenge. I mean, you just got to be. Don't you find yourself you have to be all in on one or the other, whether you're 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 the yes. one doing the hunting or you're the one doing the filming. And some folks try to do both, but it seems like you just got to you know let somebody else hunt or let someone else do the fishing, and you just focus only on the filming part of it. 100 percent you have to if you're going to make a high quality product you have to be doing the filming right or the photography you can't be doing both because you're missing so much of the little things that happen throughout the time yeah uh, throughout the time of the day or throughout the hunt i mean it it comes down to well i can just get this fish or i can just get this bird getting shot but half of making a full-length deal is having all of the in-between stuff, you know, setting decoys, calling, you know, all that kind of stuff and, or setting your spread for trolling or, uh, getting the rods out and tying on jigs or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And then you you and I were talking last week, kind of like when we were setting up this, this podcast, um, you also had a couple of challenges, you know, personally too, while going through all this stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in high school, I noticed my vision starting to go. I mean, f- until freshman or sophomore year, I mean, I, I saw twenty twenty all the time. And went into the eye doctor after I got to the point where I really couldn't see faces walking down the hallway. You know, everything is just getting blurrier. And just figuring out, oh, I just need glasses, just contacts. But I actually have a progressive eye disease in both eyes called keratoconus. And basically, it just my eyes over time have been getting worse and worse. Um, when we first found it, my dad also has it and he can still pass his driver's test without any correction. So we're like, Oh, Jake's won't be that bad. Like, you know, he'll make it through whatever, you know, we don't need to do a whole lot, but mine progressed 10 times faster. And by the time I was 19, it got to the point where like, all right, we need to do something. And I was wearing soft contacts at that point, uh, went down to a place down in the cities and they're like, all right, we're going to do a, a surgery that's not FDA approved. You can be a test subject for it. Um, we can do it on your right eye, but we cannot do it on your left eye because basically my corneas come to a point that makes any sense. And the main part of your eye is supposed to be round. So when light hits it, it focuses to a point. Okay. Instead it hits mine and scatters. Okay. So basically so, the surgery, go ahead. So they say you can be a guinea pig for the surgery. What are the, <laughs> yeah. what are the downfalls? <laughs> it sounds a little pretty scary. It, it would have been a lot. It, it apparently overseas there, they had done it a lot. It's FDA approved. Okay. Good overseas. So uh-huh. it just hadn't been, and I might be now. Um, but when I got it, it was not. So I, they had to do it to 
X amount of people and show that it works and it was safe and that kind of stuff. So, and you were 19. I had to have been 18 or 19. Yeah. For that surgery, man, it's gotta be scary as shit. You're worried about losing your eyesight, you know, Yeah. go hop, go hop on the table. I actually got a picture of it on my phone. Cause for that surgery, I was actually awake. They just numb your eye. Uh-huh. Um, basically they, they numb your eye. They scratch it with like some sort of like sponge. They scratch the cornea. And then they rub it with a, they say, they call it a form of riboflavin. I don't know what that means, but then they shine a UV light on it for 30 minutes and it strengthens the cornea. So basically after the surgery, now my, my right eye has not gotten any worse since the surgery. Okay. Um, but my left eye, as my cornea comes to a point, it also gets thinner and my left eye was too thin and I assume it's for the scratching of the cornea. It was too thin to scratch the cornea. So my left eye, they had to leave and let it go. Um, and then that means eventually it, it turned into a corneal transplant. And I think I was 21 at that point when I got the corneal transplant. Dang. So, um, that was actually right around the time that I was supposed to be scheduling the corneal transplant was when I got hired by the next bite. So they hired a guy that legally couldn't even drive at the time to be <laughs> a camera guy. <laughs> you know? As you're going through these surgeries, I mean, at this point you decided to go all in on this as a profession, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Did it ever go through your brain? Like, I mean, I'm a positive guy. I always think pos- positively, <laughs> but if it went the other way, I mean, you had, I mean, it's, it's so crazy to think that, you know, the one thing that you love to do for a living could go down the tubes in some capacity if, if these surgeries aren't successful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that still crosses my mind now. I mean, cause it's, it's still, it's, uh, it's still a thing, right? You know? but I guess I might as well live life now. Right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's live life. Do what we do what I love now. And, uh, I was given given the opportunity to 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 do it with the next bite. You know, I'm pretty dang lucky to be in the position I am now, considering what I was like at the point that they hired me, and I, I was I was given an opportunity. So yeah, and and how, and talk a little bit about that. How did they hear about you, or how did that kind of come together? Like, were you sending them videos, or were they did they put out like a post for you know a, a producer or what? They, that's a really long story. Oh, okay. That's fine. We won't get into. Um, but basically they, they put up the posting. Um, one of my really good friends actually prefishes all the tournaments with Gary. Oh, okay. And said, you know, Hey, you should, you should look into Jake. And then I, you know, I sent him all the stuff, uh, articles and stuff that I'd written in video and stuff. And they decided to give me a chance and it's been going well. What was going through your brain when he kind of said, Hey, you need to throw your name in the hat for this position. I mean, obviously you grew up, you knew who these guys were, you knew how big it was. What was going through your brain when you kind of put your name in the hat? Did you, I mean, you were confident enough to know that you could, you could successfully do this and like, that's what you've been training for all that kind of stuff. Um, I wouldn't say that it was more, I was at the point where I was ready to quit, which I'm not a quitter. I never want to be a quitter. Um, but I will honestly say, I was like, well, you know, with things going the way they are, I should probably just go back to school and like do something else, be an engineer, you know, you know be a teacher, do something else that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And 
I had I had actually just applied for the in depth outdoors job and did not get it. Okay. And then sent uh, sent the re- I had the resume ready. Everything was good to go. I was like, I'm you know I'm let's let's give it a shot. This will be one of the last goes here. Let's do it. You know. That's awesome, man. Can you remember what your first yeah. project was with them? Yes. Um, Talk a little bit about that, like kind of like your first day on the job. All right, so here you are. You got your dream job. You know, surgeries are going well. You're taking your your professional career to the next level. Let's hear a little bit about your first day. I realized I was not ready for it. Really? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> you're up. To, um, you're up. The you're in the big leagues. Yeah, uh, I learned a ton from Dusty, my boss. Okay. Um, he is brilliant. And the first day, he's like, oh, start putting together a camera list of what we need to, to buy for this. And I'm like, I have no idea for professional audio. And, you know, how do you guys do it? You know, and he started walking me through that. I'm like, okay, you know, got all the equipment in, you know, started testing it, got everything kind of figured out. And, you know, I learned just in those two or three weeks, I learned so much just about how to set up the camera to get better quality um, in editing with color grading. And it, I mean, making sure that your audio is number one and really good wearing, making sure you have a good headset just so you can make sure that audio is good. And, you know, all the different things that we had to figure out with testing the equipment was important. And then to go shoot the first show, I mean, it was like a slap in the butt and go get them kid. Right. Yeah. So I went up to Sault Ste. Marie with Chase and Dave Atkinson and shot my first show up in Sault Ste. Marie. And to this day, I don't like to watch that show. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like, dude, kind of like my first podcast. Like I remember when I first did my first (laughs) podcast episode and the questions I was asking and my voice and everything, just hearing it for the first time, I'm like, I cringe. I'm like, Oh God, I was so bad. I probably am still kind of bad, but it's like you, you, you just get better over time. But you know, I can't imagine you know, that's a lot on the line and you think about it, you know, you guys are traveling from, you know, northern Wisconsin or Minnesota or wherever you're at, driving hours along all this production, all this camera equipment and to get out on the water on your first day, you know. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that's <laughs> gotta be a lot of prep. I mean, it's it's still a good show. Uh-huh. The content's really good. But the way I shot it, my shooting was not very good. What did you learn from that episode? Like, when, so you take that back. You've got all this, this footage and this content. Like, what? Like, just some of the things that you picked out. Like, man, I should have did this, or next time I, I know I'll prepared, I'm going to do this. Because, you know, it's it, it's different when you can do everything. I, well, I've got to imagine at least everything that you're preparing for. You're in the studio, or you're you're on dry land, and then you get in a boat. And then you're dealing with weather and then you're dealing with wind and then you're dealing with sunlight or lack of sunlight. What did you notice? Yeah. Like, what, what did you notice? Like, Oh, I got to do this next time. The biggest thing for me is like, Oh, I got to move more um, okay. during the fish catch stuff. And that's something, you know, that, that we do at the next bite. That's a lot different. Um, I can't say it's completely different, but it's a lot different. Um, I don't want to give away too many of those secrets, but I had to move more. And the beautiful thing about video is you can go back and, you know, Dusty and I sit down and he just critiques it and you have that hindsight. So then you go into the next shoot and you're even more ready. And then the next shoot, and then you're even more ready. And eventually, you know, especially with uncontrollable conditions, you're just used to it. Right. 
it's it's second nature to to deal with waves and sun and clouds and rain and all that stuff how was your you know besides the 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 video side of things did you get to hang out with the guys ahead of time like chase and gary and keith to kind of get to know to to get to know their styles a little bit because i gotta imagine there's different personalities there and different styles right yeah most definitely um they all fish really similar Uh they've been doing it together for so long um but they all they're all a lot different on camera and how they like to do things but uh, i didn't get to because of the timing of me getting hired i started july 6th Uh in the middle of shooting season so it's not there wasn't any time to go out and shoot with somebody else that had already shot the show or you know meet those guys before i mean i had never met chase before well i met chase once and uh just i just drove down to his house and hopped in the truck and we went damn that's intense (laughs) it was definitely nerve-wracking and it's weird to think about now because now like i said it's all just second nature so so you know folks kind of getting into the getting i don't want to say getting into this because it's well, it, it kind of is like, you know, there's a lot. Instagram is obviously huge. YouTube mm-hmm. YouTube is huge. Things like that. What kind of advice do you kind of have for someone that is, you know, outside of their passion, which is hunting or fishing? What if they want to get onto your side of the thing, your side of the camera and kind of take their their photos and their video games to that or their video game to the next level? What are you shooting with? Are you shooting with like DSLRs? Uh, you know, what kind of what would be a good entry level kind of camera setup to have? I guess. I tell we shoot. Um, we have a big camera. It's H and H Panasonic HPX three seventy. Uh-huh. Um, that's what we shoot a lot of the stuff on. But I tell anybody the Panasonic GH five is an absolutely incredible camera. Okay. Um, you have to figure out some obviously we don't do our audio and stuff on that camera. So there'd be some figuring out to do with that, but the image quality you get out of that thing and the, you know, it's, it shoots 4k, it shoots 4k 60. It shoots uh, a variable frame rate of 180 frames per second. And the quality is unbelievable. I mean, it's a micro four thirds camera and we, we put it in with uh, red helium footage all the time. Okay. And it, it holds its own. It's a phenomenal camera. And because it's micro four thirds, it's a little bit cheaper than a, you know, a full frame camera. So it's okay. So it is a crop sensor then. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh like, I think the body is 1500 or 2000 bucks, something okay. like that. Okay. Um, versus like the red helium, which is like 20 K. Right. You right. know, but that's a full frame sensor raw, you know, that's yeah. a beast. What, what, what two lenses do you think, are great to have when, when, when first starting off, especially being in like a, a boat setting or, um, maybe even hunting too. Um, that, that can, kind of, shoot, that, that can kind of get it all done for you. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? I shoot with a 12 to 35 nearly all the time. Okay. Cause it's wide enough, but I do have a little zoom. Um, I would definitely have that. And then, uh, what a 100 to 300, something like that. Okay. Um, especially if you're going to do hunting too. Um, so you, you have that zone, but for me in the boat, a 12 to 35, and then maybe something even a little bit wider for photos. 
Um, I'm not a fan of something that's too wide uh, to you know really, that really curves the horizon and stuff. I, I I've never been a big fan of how fish pictures turn out like that. Right. Um, but it, it, a little bit wider than a than 12 would be good. Um, but if you're in the boat, you I mean, even in our boats, it's 21 feet. So with a 12 to 35, you can dang near get everything done that you want to do. What what's one thing that you kind of prepared for, or you weren't prepared for that you then became prepared for, like being in in out in the elements and on the boat and stuff like that, where a lot of folks might overlook it. Keep your equipment dry. <laughs> the obvious one. <laughs> yeah, that one is like it's harder than you think, o- probably. Yeah, and it's always a battle because it's not just when it's raining, right? You know, especially with as much as we shoot on the Great Lakes. You know, um, you're constantly dealing with waves and oftentimes they're splashing over the edges and splashing you and splashing the equipment. So, I I mean, I got a, I got a rain cover on the camera that comes out more often than I'd like. Um, even just, uh, while we're moving spots, it goes on the camera just to cover it from the rain. Right. Um, and then of course all their compartments are full of stuff, their stuff. So like my bag, I got a backpack with all my batteries and extra stuff um laptop laptop hard drives and a lot of time i'll put that in a in a dry bag because that sits out and not in a in a compartment do the boys limit to limit you what you can bring on board when you get on get on there like all right jake you get, or yeah you get one <laughs> backpack and that's it i'm sure they would like to <laughs> <laughs> uh they they let me basically run free i mean we try to you know we we do have a ronin uh gimbal yeah and like that doesn't come in the boat every day Right, but if we know we need it, you know, if we we pick and choose. Generally, a, a show takes three days to shoot, and you know, day three we'll grab the Ronin and bring that out in the boat with us, and you know, things like that. So you just kind of go day by day. But I always have the big camera, the three HPX three seventy, uh, the GH five, um, my gro- my GoPro case, and my backpack. Those are in the boat every single day. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would imagine that you're dealing with, you know, the, the business side of things too, like the, the product shots and things like that. I mean, is that something in your career that you've, I mean, you know, you, you've grown to, to work with companies over the time to kind of see what they, they want to see or what kind of shoots they want or footage that they want. Can you talk a little bit about that of kind of like what you've learned from that aspect of it? Yeah. Um, a lot of times we have requests and those are the easy ones where they're like, Hey, we want some running stuff or, you know, we want, and generally we shoot it anyway. So we have it, um, in library. Right. Um, but when we get a specific request, um, then it's easier because it's like, all right, this is what they're looking for. Like I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just going out shooting and like, Oh, well I'm going to, you know, hopefully we get some shots for Berkeley and we get some shots for motor guy and we get the main thing with that is, well, number one, the main thing is like mixing sponsors. Um, it's a little bit different for us because we use a lot of it ourselves. Right. Um, but a lot of those companies, you know, shooting some for Berkeley, they don't want shots for Berkeley with motor guide and all the other companies mixed in there. Granted, a lot of that is okay, but generally if you want that shot, you say you want a mercury shot, you want a mercury hat on them and a mercury sweatshirt and, uh, stuff like that. Um, the other thing, and it, it comes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the 
with, you know, how are you splitting up? Are you, are you fishing sometimes? Are you just shooting? It comes down to what you need to do. All these companies are looking for lifestyle and everybody generalizes it as lifestyle. Well, to me, it's tough to think just lifestyle like that. Well, what's lifestyle mean? Right. It's, it's a very broad deal. So I, I always go in to every shoot, every photography thing and go, start to finish what are the things that happen throughout the day you know launching the boat uh searching for fish with the grass getting rods out tying on baits uh unhooking fish it's not just it, it can be very easy it's very very easy to become you're just shooting that trophy shot yeah you're, when, t- you're telling more of the story behind it all right because that's kind of right. what leads up to that fish or that that moment that you mark them on the graft or whatever you're getting into Right. And that's the lifestyle. And that's the, that's the thing that often gets missed if you're trying to do both. Right. So it's not just about hoisting up big fish and taking a photo or filming that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Everybody likes big fish, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) But in order to get everything that's interesting about the day, you got, you got to be shooting everything else too. When did that, Uh, when did that click for you? That kind of like knowing that side of the business or knowing that side of the process? I mean, was that, I mean, was that something that you just learned over time or you kind of put your own twist on or how did you stumble into that? It, it's something that I had to learn right away. Okay. But I don't think I realized it right away. All right. Um, yeah, within the first year I realized like, you know, I had been doing that but not until a year or two ago um, did I really like put it into terms where it's like in my head, I can be like, all right, I need to shoot that. I need to shoot that. I need to shoot that, you know, to make it make sense. Right. Yeah. You know, I can imagine too, you know, you're out here on the water with these guys all the time. You're dealing with different personalities, but you're also seeing a lot of stuff, you know, have, have you been able, I mean, obviously I'm sure you have, but been able to, apply a lot of those techniques that we all know from the from the next bite in on your bodies of water that you fish or into your game you know you're you're getting a front row seat of seeing how these things unfold how has that experience been for you fishing personally huge um the beautiful part about the next bite the way gary keith and chase and you know dusty set it up is to teach people how to fish right and the show from start to finish is this is our bite. This is what we're doing. And this is exactly how we're doing it. And the point of that is for you to take it either to that same body of water or take it to your own body of water. And I've taken a lot of them now back to our cabin and, uh, use the same techniques. You know, something in Northern Minnesota that you don't see very often is pulling suspended, pulling over a basin with planer boards for suspended walleyes. And that's something that I never knew growing up. And, you know, I've shot, dozens of shows of that kind of stuff now and we were out keith and i were driving in the truck and like yeah it'd be really nice to catch walleyes at the cabin and keith goes i bet they're suspended out there okay so we went out there and i drove across the basin i'm like gosh it looks like those are fish marks at about 15 feet down uh-huh. and i had a bunch of flicker minnows and i had planer boards you know i thought i was going to try it and i pulled up the precision trolling app all right i need to set out a number nine flicker minnow to i don't know what it was 83 or 115 back set them up, set out the planer boards and, you know, taught my dad and my sister and her husband and Kelly how to pull planer boards. And we caught quite a few fish doing it. Oh, you know? that's so and, cool. and 
in a place where we hardly ever caught walleyes. You know, we were always crappie fishing and stuff. So, you know, all three of those guys do such a great job of doing exactly what you just said, where they make it so, I don't want to say easy, but they break it down step by step, like you're talking about, you know, from start to finish and implementing that on your home body of water or whatever the conditions are of where you're at, you know, it's easy to always go back through their episodes and be like, all right, you know, the, the episodes that I watch based off of the conditions, you know, whether they're, they're, they're tossing a shiver minnow, you know, on big bodies of water, uh, or like you said, trolling for suspended, you know, walleye or something like that. You always can take it back to the exact episode, or at least I do in my mind of where I watched it, what the conditions were and going out there and trying it for yourself. It's so cool that mm-hmm. those guys have done such a great job over the years of, of instilling that almost as like an industry standard. Like if you want to compete with the next bite or you want to, you, you really want to provide a lot of value, you got to do it like these guys are doing it or like they did it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how Gary, Keith and Chase have stood the test of time, um, helping others fish. Right. Uh, it's the shiver minnow would have been one of the ones that they could have not shared with anybody. Right. Yeah. You know, but instead they got up on stage at the tournament and told everybody what they're doing. And then two days later we went and shot a TV show on it. So other people can go out and enjoy the fishery and enjoy going out and doing the exact same techniques. Right. Do you feel a lot of that pressure on you? Like when you're, when they're trying to portray something to you, like, do you ever get kind of like, like, I don't know, for example, like the shiver mental bite where you're like, what, we're going to go out there and, and, and show that to the world like are you 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 sure you want to do that i i haven't felt i guess i don't feel pressure about it because i think it's so much fun right um it i guess you could think about it as a pressure situation but i i mean you're just going out and it's they're so good at it and they know what they want that it's it's such an easy thing to do with mm-hmm. with them you know mm-hmm. um with their guidance so you ever give them any pointers like hey man i know you're trying this and it's not working out but remember this one time where you were pulling this lure you ever just not not a chance <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you know the student can become the teacher if you studied it <laughs> the it, when it comes to that and i'm sure those guys would laugh but it's it's all about staying in your lane. I'm yeah. a camera guy, right. you know. I'm a camera guy that loves the fish, but I'm a camera guy. That's what I'm good at. Right. So I let them do the fishing, and I just make sure they look good, you know. Right. So you know, you 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 get all this footage, and you and you take it back to your studio and kind of things. What well, typically, what do you like to edit with? Are you like a Photoshop guy? Or are you a Final Cut Pro? Or I mean, what it what do you typically like to edit with? Uh, we use Final Cut Pro ten. Um, okay, that's what I use. I use Final Cut Pro in high school, and that's what uh, Dusty was already using. So we use that. And then when I'm doing photos, um, you know, I've been trying to teach myself Lightroom. Um, but the way I do photos, like I don't ever do a photo shoot, especially of people besides Gary, Keith and chase that I have to give 10 versions of the one photo mm-hmm. and they have to all be, the edit has to be done and the client picks the photo. Okay. Um, with the way it works with us, I'm, sh- I'm shooting it and we just 
give them what we have. So I get to pick the photo. So I generally use Photoshop because I don't need to batch edit. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, cause I can just, I pick the photo The Keith looks really good in this photo. The, the logo is the way I want it. The reel is the way I want it. Um, or the fish or, you know, what have you. And I can just, this is the one. And then we just send, you know, I, I sent blackfish photos today. We just send, send the blackfish photos out to, to clam and blackfish. And, you know, they have that stack of photos cause they're not worried about, are my eyes closed or my, is my smile just right? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. So how is the, you know, cause talk a little bit about how the next bite has evolved to jumping onto a, a, a larger scale or a bigger stage with discovery. Um, discovery is an interesting deal. I mean, does that put more pressure on you as well? Like how is that, how has that stage been going from what you guys traditionally were shooting on and then going over to like a big network like that? I mean, that's gotta be a huge deal. I mean, not only for obviously the next bite, but a lot of that hinders on you as well. Yeah. The reason we ended up from a production standpoint on discovery channels, cause our quality was already there. Okay. Um, so we didn't actually have to, I mean, we always are making sure that we're maintaining quality and pushing ourselves to the next level. Um, but the, the level that we were at, we were picked to be on the discovery channel because of that already. Um, so it was, it was a pretty, a much smoother transition than you would think. I mean, we were on NBC sports, CBS sports, um, WFN, you know, a lot of those channels and all of, a lot of those channels, especially like NBC sports have a very, very high quality standard as it is. Right. And we were surpassing that. So as things go, that's, that's how that transition kind of worked is they saw the quality already. So it wasn't too bad, I guess that that transition. No, but that's a huge feather, obviously in your guys's cap too. And and, into you, I mean, you're shooting, your skills have gone from this guy who was nervous uh, from his first day (laughs) on the job with the next bite to having Enough, or high enough quality in in your work to to be on Discovery Channel. I mean, that's insane. They have their own camera crews and they've got their own stuff. And and for you to be up on that par, that just speaks volume to you know your guys' skills from a production right. standpoint. I, yeah, I I contribute a lot of that to Dusty. He is unbelievable both both with editing and a camera. Uh-huh. He makes me look good all the time, and him him pushing is what pushes me too you know so so it's a good good relationship yin and yang kind of thing yeah yeah and it, right away i'm sure there's a lot of frustrations on his part and i'm sure there's still frustrations on his part but he really trusts me now and that's where you know he used to hire somebody out to do commercial projects and now it's him and i that shoot the commercial projects um, for instance, the Abu Garcia stuff, or for quite a few years, we shot Hodgman stuff, um, stuff like that. What do you look forward to in your career when you, when you look into the future kind of thing? Like, how do you kind of see yourself evolving or things that you would like to do? Tough question. Yeah. It can be within the industry or it can be, <laughs> or it doesn't even have to be within the industry. It. That is a tough question because that, 
you know, for, for so many years, my goal was get a job, make money, get a job, make money. Uh, whether, you know, that was not by myself or, you know, now like with the next bite for years, that was my goal. And I say years, it was like four years, but I, I had a, I had a mindset of that's what I needed to do. And now, then when I got hired, my mindset was, all right, I was given an opportunity here. I need to prove myself and I still need to prove myself every day. That's, that's the way I look at it. But I, I haven't thought about further down the line, I guess with, with my eyes and stuff, it's to a point of like, let's do this as long as I can. Right. You know, um, eventually I would like to stop traveling. Who knows when that would be Mm -hmm. as much as I enjoy the traveling. I like to be at home too. Um, that's a, that is a, that is a tough question. Well, I, I think you have such a great resume just from what you've done over the years. I mean, you could either stay in the industry if you wanted to, I think, and, and, and shoot for companies or, you know what I mean? Like some companies have, uh, they freelance stuff too, you know, out to, to other photographers and people in film. But, you know, I just didn't know if you've ever thought about that kind of going into the future. I mean, because I mean, a lot of things in production and in showbiz and things like that. I mean, it's, it's it can be year to year sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, you know, this year is going to be this or things like that. I just didn't know, like, if there's been other companies that have reached out to you or other career paths that you have found based off of what you've learned over the years with Next Bite that's presented itself that you were kind of maybe one day thinking like, yeah, I could see myself or I want to evolve my career into this. Yeah, you know, the potential is always there. The opportunities have uh, risen. But I guess I don't think, I mean, if something ever were to happen to the next bite and it would go away, then then yeah. But as as long as the next bite is around and Keith, Gary, and Chase want to do it and Dusty want to do it, like I, I think I'll be with them. Because it's it's not just, I'm with all of them so much. Yeah, It's not just a job anymore. Yeah. You know, they are, it's like family, right. you know, Gary cares about me and the other employees just as much as, you know, I care about my job and I care about them now, you know? Right. So he, he's trying to set it up and keep us all employed for as long as he possibly can. Yeah. So it's that mutual respect deal. I'd almost like to film you filming them. I <laughs> see all the back, I'll see what all goes into the ba- you know the backstory and behind the scenes of what goes on. It's pretty cool. You guys been doing a lot of it, kind of at the end with the bloopers and stuff like that. I've really enjoyed that on the show and you guys bringing that element into it. But it's pretty funny. Yeah, the they're very very professional, and the bloopers and that kind of stuff bring a little bit more uh, personality into it and fun and real life. You know, yeah. Uh, same. I try to do the same thing with uh, the social medias and that kind of stuff. Like, let's have some fun. I mean, it always professional, but also it can be fun. All right, a few more questions. What has been your favorite <laughs> favorite shoot so far? Like your favorite episode filming? Like you just, even though it, it, it maybe let's say it just didn't even rank the highest, but you're just saying that was such a blast or that was my favorite shoot. If you could so, send one out there or most memorable, you know, something like that with you. I would say the most memorable would be we went up to Last Mountain, which is 30 miles north of Regina um, in Saskatchewan, I believe. Okay. Ontario. Straight north of North Dakota up there. And 
we were up there. The first day was kind of slow. I uh, got a few fish. The second day, a little bit better. And then at the end of the day, we just got on a tear of just giant fish. And every fish in that show is at least nine pounds. Um, the biggest is probably an 11 pounder. And I mean, it, it, we had so many big fish. We ended up like shooting underwater with it. Generally we'll shoot the big fish and then, you know, we shoot underwater with close to that size fish, but we were literally shooting underwater with nine pound walleyes, Jeez. which is like unheard of. Um, the first shiver minnow that was on shiver minnows, the first shiver minnow show learning that new technique and being able to unveil that was really cool. Um, rainy river last year was really cool. Um, for those of you that don't know, the rainy river is the border of Minnesota and Canada. And when the walleyes run up there in the spring, if you hit it right, it's unbelievable. And we hit it right. Uh, we had a lot of giant fish on that one. Um, and then last year we shot a drop shot walleye show, which was really cool too. I'd never seen how to tie a drop shot or anything like that. So being able to film that was really cool. That's, that's been a really popular show this year. Did you ever get to put down the camera on like a hot bite like that? And they're like, all right, Jake, it's your turn. You can try to try to get one in. <laughs> that is probably the most, if it's, if it's not a camera equipment question that I get, that is the most common question I get. Uh, <laughs> Do you ever get to fish? <laughs> I've shot, I was, we were trying to do the math uh, a few weeks ago and I was with Keith, but I think it's it's somewhere right around 60 shows. I think I've fished maybe five times, oh but the my only God. time is when yeah, the show is really good and that's the, at the very end of the show, we don't need to shoot anymore, and then I pick up a rod and only catch one or two. Granted, that means it's, it's the bite's really good, so generally I get to catch a big one, you know? Dude, I'm such, so, I'm so like... I don't want to say competitive, but I, I if I was on like a hot bite, hot bite like that, it'd be very tough for me to stay in my lane to be like, all right, I know my job, I'm just a camera guy. For me not to want to pick that up, I'd be like, you know what, guys, instead of a Christmas bonus this year, just let me uh, let me toss one of these lures out here and get one of these ten pounders or whatever you're on. Yeah, I I mean, it can be you know thinking that way, but at the same time, again, it's like, well, gosh, I can get this really cool shot or. You know, I take some really cool photos while you're doing this or because it, a lot of if it, the bite's slow, that stuff's a lot harder to get because you need to for sure get the video. Um, if it's really hot, like the rainy river, I mean, I can set down the big camera, not worry about video and just get really cool photography stuff, too. Yeah. And there's a lot so, of pride to take into that, too. Right. So, like, obviously, those guys catching the fish, there's, you know, that's a good feeling for them and things like that. But you getting the shot or getting the perfect um, photo you know, that's kind of like you holding the fish or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm exactly. To, I'm trying to describe it. Like, you know, you've got, a, you've got a really good feeling of accomplishment, almost like, you know, just, just as feels just as good as, you know, them holding the fish as you are taking the photo kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And again, I mean, for me, it has always come down as I'm part of the group. Like I'm there, right. like I watched that fish get caught and I was the one that captured it. Yeah. You know, on video. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, I posted on Facebook the other day, Keith's wife shared a picture and I, I reposted it. Um, there's one of my shots that I took of Keith and it's blown up on a huge billboard. Yeah. I seen that the other day. Yep. 
And, uh, and I, I think there's more than one of those. Um, a good friend of mine said, yeah, I've seen that same one in Minnesota too. So it would be interesting to see if anybody either comments on this or maybe we should share a post. Like, has anybody else seen this billboard to see, see, you know, where else it is? Cause a lot of times when we send those photos in, we don't know what they're being used for, whether it's a, a ad or like the billboard or just for social media. We don't know a lot of times. So it's fun to see that stuff pop up. And you see yourself, I mean, do you see a lot of your photos and stuff like that in magazines and stuff like that? Like, can you flip a page and be like, I know I took that photo or I, I remember that shot? <laughs> yeah, I think that happens a lot more than, I think people see a lot more of my work than they realize. Yeah. Um, but there are also times too where it's like, gosh, that looks like Keith's boat and that's like his hand and like the right reel and stuff, but... I don't think I took that picture, <laughs> you know, there's those too. And like, so sometimes that happens, but I definitely see the photography stuff popping up more and more. My mom sends me stuff all the time. She's like, Oh, we saw this. We saw this. Cause basically if it's a shot of Gary Keith or chase, mm -hmm. not always, but most of the time it's mine. So every time she sees one, she sends it to me. That's awesome, man. I think, you know, I, I, I was really excited to have you on the podcast because you know, I'm as a pod as a podcast host myself. You know, I'm interested in all aspects of the fishing side of things. So, like, you know, I have my own camera, and you know, it's weird to think about, but like, I think about like how other people are taking shots of photos of fish and things like that. Like, I don't want to do it professionally, but it's like another side of. Um, you know, you got to get good photos and stuff like that for the podcast and things like that when I'm out fishing. And, right. you know, I, that's why I always like to shed light on different areas of fishing, whether you're a guide, whether you're, uh, you know, a TV host and you have your own show or you're a professional walleye fisherman or you're a professional bass angler, whatever it is. There's so many different, um, you know, levels of being passionate about whatever it is that you're into. You know, obviously mine's, mine's fishing, but I'm also passionate about dissecting every little part of fishing. So I think someone listening to this podcast who was thinking about being a photographer right now and they're in high school and they love the fish, you know, I really like to bring awareness to things like that where it's like, hey, if you listen to the podcast, look what Jake did with his life and what he's doing. He's, you know, he's got the perfect marriage of, you know, being able to be in the outdoors hunting and fishing and he's filming, you know, the number one uh, fishing show on Discovery Channel on the cable network. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's it's awesome, your story, uh, you know, bringing it full circle and it it's just amazing what you've been able to accomplish, especially with, you know, the, the surgeries and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a really fun ride and I hope it's going to continue a long time. I mean, the, you know, going back to, you know, you having me on the show and, you know, listening to what I have to say and looking at my work and dissecting it. Yeah. I still say I'm far from the best. Sure. Far, so far from it. Yeah. We can always improve on our craft, you know? Yeah. And the best way for me to improve is look at what other people do creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm friends with a lot of other camera guys and, you know, looking at their stuff now, oh, okay, they shot it like that. Oh, that's, that's a cool idea. And, oh, I can do this to improve in, upon it, or I can do this to make it mine. Um, cause a lot of times, you know, in our creative world, you're not improving on something, you're making it your own. Right. And I, I'm, I'm constantly learning new things from other guys, you know, whether it be 
camera equipment or uh, framing a shot or coloring stuff or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do differently. What advice do you give to someone who's thinking about taking their passion or something like that to the next level, whether that be photography, like in the outdoors or, um, you know, whatever that, whatever that might be, if they wanted to get into the fishing industry, do you have any advice for them? If I can be, if I can be going blind and be a cameraman, you can do whatever the heck you want to do too. Right. Just give it a shot. You know, Mm -hmm. that, Number one, don't give up. Just keep pushing forward. Cause I mean, for a long time, it'll be that roller coaster that, you know, the roller coaster of life. Well, it's real. You know, it goes up and down and up and down. It still goes up and down for me. Um, don't give up. And number two, perfect the one thing that you really want to do. It goes back to me staying in my lane. I'm a camera guy, you know? Right. That's what I do. If you want to be a professional, be a professional at that thing. Gotcha. You know, don't be a professional at a bunch of different things, whether, you know, you can become a professional at something and then grow another craft next to it. But if you really want to do something, stick to that thing and perfect it. Try to be the best. Yeah. And, you know, I think of what I, what I found is this industry that, you know, that you're in and, you know, I'm just, I don't make any money off it, but I just dabble into like reaching out to folks. It's smaller than you think. And people are more willing to help than you would realize. You know what I mean? I feel like sometimes, um, you never know until you ask kind of thing. And yeah. like, like, like just me reaching out to you. I'm like, I wonder if, I mean, cause I've always thought I was like, I wonder if I can get Jake on the podcast, you know, the next bite's cool. And you know, one day my goal would be to get one of those th- three guys on, but you know, if I, if, if Jake would give me some time, I could learn so much from him because I have so many questions, uh, you know, and, and the industry is a lot smaller than you think. You know, we've got a lot of friends that you and I mutually know, but, you know, what I, what have I, I have found out within being in this industry is the willingness of everyone to share information and to help each other out, which is awesome. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, everybody's going to keep their secrets, but uh, for the most part to get started, everybody, anybody's willing to help, you yeah. know, point you in the right direction. Yeah. And especially if you're a good person. I mean, bottom line is if you're a good person, a lot of people would hold their hand out for you and help you along the way. Yeah, you bet. Well, awesome. Well, Hey, where can more our people find more about you? Like, uh, Instagram, Facebook, where should they go? Um, I, I, in the last five years, I tend to post, on my own personal stuff, less and less, uh, they can find me at my Facebook or, uh, on the Instagram, but I'd prefer you go, you'll see all of my work. If you follow the next bites Facebook page, uh, or the next bites, uh, Instagram or Twitter, we post on all of them all the time. Um, if you want to see the show, uh, we're pretty sure we'll be on discovery channel again this year. Um, but discovery channel, um, WFN CBS sports, um and youtube and another cool one actually that i i actually like going to show to watch the show on is waypointtv.com they have an app and uh a website and there's a ton of different shows on there but we have season eight to season 15 on there so that's a really good it's similar to a netflix but just uh hunting and fishing shows that's my favorite place to go 
All right. Yeah, I've got that app. It's pretty sweet. And you can break it down by episode too. Like you said, like you can scroll through which ones you want. And if there's a certain bite or a certain way that they were doing it, you can just kind of hone in on that one. Yeah. I mean, and from season eight, I mean, I started in season 11, but from season eight to season 15, there's a ton of great stuff to help you catch fish. I mean, there's unbelievable amount of different techniques and different things that you can do. All right. Well, I'll link to all that in the show notes, everybody. And Jake, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast, buddy. And uh, we look forward to seeing your work for years to come. Yeah, for sure. I should be around. Hopefully my eyes stay good, you know? Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> keep eating your carrots. Thank you. All right. See ya. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. buddy. See ya. See ya. I hope you guys enjoy that episode with uh, Jake Fla from the Next Bite crew. You know, I've been wanting to get Jake on for a long time. Uh, I had no idea about his backstory with his, you know, his eye conditions and the surgeries and stuff like that, but it was very uh, inspiring and, um, you know, great to to hear his story about how he never gave up, even though he was dealt dealt these obstacles in life and to, pr- to pursue his passion of, you know, film and photography and things like that to, pr- to help produce a, you know, a professional big cable network TV show with, uh, you know, the top guys in the industry. It was cool to see Jake persevere, and uh, hopefully that inspired you guys as well. So be sure to check out the next bite on Discovery Channel, you know, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, and the follow Jake. I'll link to all that in the the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, onward. If you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you know I always appreciate when you head over and leave reviews and comments over on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Check out the Sportsman's Nation and also check out freshwaterbite.com. Send me messages, guys. I want to hear from you. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening.